the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The program is sponsored by Church of the Redeemer in Gatorsburg, Maryland. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. I'm going to share with you four lessons today, four things that are necessary if you're going to be a teachable, hungry person that experiences and receives more of the knowledge of God and His Word, His will, His ways in your life. The first thing that is necessary is that you and I have to learn something about being humble. Humility is vital to teachability. The opposite of humility is pride or arrogance, and pride and arrogance is when you and I are full of ourselves. And so pride makes you full of you, full of what you think you know, and so it leaves you absent of this hunger necessary to grow. And God says if you're going to grow, if you're going to gain knowledge, there has to be a spirit of humility in your life. Let me take you on a quick uh, round of passages that point out the value of humility. Psalm 18, verse 27. God says here, you save, God saves the humble, but you bring low those whose eyes are haughty. So salvation comes to people who are, hung, who are humble. Uh, Psalm 25, verse 9, he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. So guidance comes when we're humble. Psalm 147, verse 6 says, the Lord sustains the humble, but casts the wicked to the ground. So sustenance in life comes from humility. Psalm 149, verse 4, for the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. That is, if you're going, if you want to experience victory in your life, there comes, there has to come a humility that positions you for that victory. And then Proverbs 3, verse 34. He, God, mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. So if you want favor from God in your life, it requires humility. Isaiah 66, the latter part of verse number 2. These are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. Again, you see humility connected with the favor of God. Luke chapter 14, verse 11. The words of Jesus, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. With God, if you try to go high, you're going to end up low, but if you go low, God can take you high. Ephesians 4 verse 2, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Notice it doesn't say just be humble, but it says be completely humble. That is, let humility permeate every part of your being. And then Peter reminds us of this in 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6. In the same way, you who are, hung, who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Now, notice this again to move your life to the next level, you need more knowledge than you have right now. Amen? 
there are certain things that you don't know that you need to know. And for us to get to that knowledge, there's an attitude that we have to have of teachability, hunger for that knowledge, and you'll never be hungry for it unless you have a spirit of humility that says, you know what, I don't know everything I need to know. There's still lots of things I still need to learn, and I'm willing to let people teach me and train me. I want to grow in my knowledge. So there's a humility that says I can learn from anybody around me who can teach me the the better way to live my life. Amen? So humility, how are you doing on the humble part of life? The second thing that's a necessary characteristic, if you and I are going to gain knowledge, we have to be good listeners and good learners, good listeners and good learners. It's very interesting how many times in the Bible you will see God talking to his people about their listening capacity and oftentimes rebuking them because they haven't listened to him. One example of this is in Jeremiah chapter 29, as the prophet Jeremiah speaks on behalf of God in verse 19, he says, for they, that is the people of God, have not listened to my words, declares the Lord, words that I sent to them again and again by my servants, the prophets, and you exiles have not listened either, declares the Lord. So God is rebuking or correcting his people because they haven't listened. They're not listening. Jesus gave a parable in Matthew chapter 13 of a seed, the seed of God's word being sown on different kinds of soil. And then he brings it all around to addressing the issue of listening in verses 13 through 16. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, that's, that's why I use parables. For they, for they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Let me stop there before I read uh, verse 16. Jesus said, here's the problem. I teach in these parables, but there are a lot of people that don't get it. They don't even understand. The reason is because they don't listen, and the reason they're not listening is because of their heart. It's not a problem with their ears. It's a problem with their heart. And here's the thing to remember in your life, that as soon as your heart gets hard, your spiritual ears shut down. Then in verse 16, he says, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. That is the pathway to blessing is by learning to listen. Mark 4, 9, Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Jesus said, I want you to listen to what I have to say. Get it into your heart. So listening is a key part of learning. You will not learn unless you listen. And listening is a choice. It's a decision that you make. And then the third thing I want to talk to you about for a few moments is you need to be attentive and aware. If you're going to gain knowledge, to be really taught by God, there has to be an attentiveness and an awareness. Now, this is kind of an extension of my last point related to listening, but I want to draw a bit of a distinction between listening and attention, attentiveness. When you're really listening, you do have to be at some level attentive, but the kind of attentiveness that I'm talking about here is by really focusing on more than just what you're hearing in the moment, but you're focusing on what do I do with what I'm hearing in the moment for my future, okay? That is, I'm looking beyond just what's happening in this moment to the application of what I'm hearing. A really good student, a student that's really getting it, is a student that doesn't just take the good notes about it, but they actually know how to use it in the, in the moments of life when they need it. Amen? It's vital to us. Now, to be aware 
and attentive, there's, there are four categories where you and I need to be especially attentive and aware. Four dimensions of life that I want to talk to you about. The first dimension of life, you and I, when it comes to taking the information of God that He gives us, the knowledge that He wants to put in our lives, applying it for transformation, we need to be attentive to and aware of the Holy Spirit. I want you to be reminded today that everywhere you go as a believer in Jesus Christ, you go with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit goes with you because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the Spirit. So, if you're, you and I are not as attentive and aware of the Holy Spirit, we can either grieve or quench. What do those words mean? Here's grieve. Grieve means, let's say, for example, you're, you're trying to have a conversation with someone. You're opening up your heart to them. Man, you're just talking about your pain. You're talking about whatever is very sensitive to you. And then after you've said what you've said, they weren't even listening at all. They weren't paying attention. And that moment you thought, I just poured out my heart to you, and you weren't listening to me. You know that moment when you feel that, right? That moment you've dumped your heart and somebody before that you're trying to share with them and they weren't even paying attention. They weren't tracking with you at all. And so it grieves you. It's not that you're angry or mad. It just hurts that they weren't listening. Well, when you grieve the Holy Spirit, it means that when he's trying to talk to you and trying to help you to grow and learn and you're just not paying attention to his voice, it grieves him. It hurts the heart of God because he wants to help you. He's your helper. But then we can also quench the Spirit. To quench the Spirit is when we just shove the Spirit down and shove the Spirit away. We know what He's trying to say to us, but we don't want to hear it. We want to do what we want to do instead of what He wants us to do. We quench. We, that's a stronger word than grieving. Here's the second awareness that you need in your life. It's awareness about yourself, okay? One of the things that God helps us to grow in is self-awareness. Because if you're like me, my biggest problem is me. How about you, Right? It'd be nice if sometimes I could just leave me at home. Wouldn't it be great, right? Just like leave me there because I'm a lot better when me's not with me, right? Are you the same way, okay? It's a lot better when me's not around, okay? And so I've got my issues with me and you got your issues with you. And so, but here's the problem. Most of the time we're blind to our own issues. We can see everybody else's issue. We have really clear sight on anybody else's problems, right? I know exactly what's wrong with you. I just don't always know what's wrong with me. I know I've got issues, but I just don't know what they are, okay? And so I end up still living in those issues and spilling those over in my life and creating problems in my life because I, I'm blind, I have blind spots as do you. And so the Holy Spirit and God's Word and knowledge is a part of gaining, uh, part of the gaining of that knowledge is getting self-awareness. What's going on with me? Now Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 7, the first five verses. Refuse to be a critic. I'm reading from the Passion uh, Translation. Refuse to be a critic full of bias toward others. And judgment will not be passed on you. For you will be judged by the same measure that you've used to judge others. The measurement you use on them will be used on you. Now notice it gets really personal here. Why would you focus on the flaw in someone else's life and yet fail to notice the glaring flaws of your own? Everybody say, ouch. Okay, there you go. All right. How could you say to your friend, let me show you where you're wrong when you're guilty of even more? You're being hypocritical and a hypocrite. First acknowledge your own blind spots and deal with them, and then you'll be capable of dealing with the blind spot of your friend. Doesn't that come close to home? What is God saying? He's saying you need to be aware of what's going on with you. Stop 
your great attentiveness to other people when it comes to their flaws and let God speak to you about your own. Then you need to be very aware of the people that you surround yourself with. Anyone you give access to your life has influence in your life. Anyone you give access to your life will have some level of influence in your life. That's why you need to be careful who you give access to in your life. Take a look at the scripture here in Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 20. Walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Notice wisdom happens when we walk with wise people. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. So the company you surround yourself with, if it's bad, it's going to corrupt you. So be attentive to the Holy Spirit. Be attentive to yourself aware of what's going on with you. Be attentive to the people you're surrounding yourself with and be attentive to the environments you subject yourself to. I'm going to talk very straightforward with you just for a moment, but I want you to hear my heart, okay? I want to talk to you about how to make your life better. There are certain influences that if you want to move to the next level of your life as a Christian believer, there are certain influences of the environment around you that you're going to have to shut out and push away. That means this, there'll be certain movies you'll no longer go to. Not because there's some religious rule that says, thou shalt not go to such and such a movie. There are movies that I don't go to, not because there's a, there's a law that says I can't go to that movie. I don't go to that movie because I want to be a better person. I don't want that movie to influence me in a way that I don't want to be influenced. I don't want that to t- tarnish my life or to create some, something in me that is less than who God wants me to be. And so it's not about a rule that I have to follow. I'm under these, all these religious rules. No, I just want to be a better person. Amen. There's certain music you need to stop listening to. And then the environments are coming at us all the time now. You got your phone that's just giving you messages, and you've got all the computers surrounding you, and television and radio, and all this stuff media wise that's always coming at you. You've got to be selective. There's certain things you need to just simply shut out of your life. Because when you shut it out, your life gets better. Notice what the scripture says here. Am I preaching to anybody today, man? Romans 13, 14. But ask the Lord Jesus Christ to help you live as you should. This is a way you should live. Ask him to help you live as you should. Don't make plans to enjoy evil. Don't put yourself in an environment of evil. Matthew 6, 33, a, a prayer Jesus taught us to pray along with the way we are, we are to live our life. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then Psalm 1, 1 and 2, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. So to take your life to the next level, you and I need knowledge. To get knowledge, we have to be hungry for it, teachable. To be teachable, we have to be humble. We have to be listeners because you'll never learn unless you listen, and you have to be aware and attentive to the Holy Spirit, to what's going on in your own life, to the people you're allowing into your life, and to the environments you are subjecting yourself to. And the last point I want to share with you today briefly is that you and I need to be flexible and stretchable. For an airplane to take off, to head down the runway and to actually take off, if you've ever noticed before, if you had a window seat on an airplane, you'll notice something, you'll notice that the wings have flexibility. They're not completely flexible, but they're able to move and flow in the process. Why? Because they're engineered not to be rigid. And rigidity in your life will kill you. It'll kill your growth. 
And here's how the rigid person lives. The rigid person lives in a comfort zone. They get into a box in their life, and they draw a box around their life, and they say, I'm really comfortable here. Don't anybody mess with my box because I'm really comfortable in this box. Now, the problem with being in this box is that you're boxed in by your box, okay? You're living in this box, but it's your comfort zone because you're, you're okay here because it's not stretching you, not challenging you in any way. But I've learned in my life that if I'm going to get some new dimension of knowledge and growth, it's going to stretch me because it's taking me where I'm not right now. Amen? And so I have to be willing to let my box enlarge and let God stretch me. And I will tell you that God is in the business of stretching people. And a lot of people resist that and they never grow because they're unwilling to respond to the call of God to be stretched in their life. Now, the beautiful thing is when you let God stretch you by giving you a challenge that you weren't comfortable with and challenging you to do something that maybe is beyond where you've been living in your life, then when you respond to that, you're going to get bigger. Now, there's a little bit of hurt that goes in being stretched, obviously, because it's a pain point of you being pulled in fresh things that you haven't been pulled in before. But once you're stretched in a new dimension, you never go back to the same size again. You get bigger in your life. I'm going to tell you three stories. Actually, it's four stories in three categories here today. Let me give you three stories of individuals who were stretched by God and what happened in their life because of it. Are you ready for this? Very important. The first story is of a man by the name of Gideon. Gideon lived in the time of the judges in Israel. It was a time when Israel was in a mess. And this particular time when Gideon lived, the Midianites, which was a foreign nation, they were coming into Israel. And every time Israel would have a great harvest of food, the Midianites would come and steal all the food away, ransack everything in the land, and just intimidate everybody. And Gideon is living during this particular time. When you find him in Judges chapter 6, he has made his way into a little cave, and he's got his food there, and he's trying to thresh out some wheat for his family, and he's living in his little box. He's afraid that the Midianites are going to find him and steal from him, so he's living in fear. And by the way, when you live in a box, you generally live in fear. So here's Gideon. There he is, and God comes to Gideon in that little cave in his box, and God says, hey, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. And Gideon says, you've got to be kidding. You're not talking to me, are you? Don't you see where I'm at? I'm afraid you're calling me a man of valor. And God says, yes, I'm talking to you. I want you. Here's my assignment, Gideon. I want you to rise up and get an army of men and go after the Midianites and drive them out of Israel. I'm going to use you as the general in the army if you're willing to allow me to do so. I've chosen you to take this next step in your life to be this general of Israel's army to free them from the Midianites. And Gideon says again, you got to be kidding. You're not talking to me, God. You don't, don't you know who I am. I'm from the least family in Israel. I'm the least of the clan of all my brothers and sisters. You're not really talking to me, are you? And God says, yes, I'm talking to you. Little guy right now in the box, I see bigger things for you. So I'll tell you something. God sees bigger things about you than you'll ever see about yourself. Okay. So God saw some bigness in Gideon that Gideon could not see in himself. And so Gideon eventually says yes to God, and God stretches him out of his box and gets him out of his comfort zone, and Gideon begins to grow and gets knowledge, begins to develop, and he pulls 300 men around him, and Gideon with 300 men drives out the Midianites from Israel, and they're freed and set free for many, many years to come because of Gideon's response to being stretched by God. 
You never know what God can do in your life when you're willing to be stretched by him. Jesus one day was walking by the Sea of Galilee. As he's walking by the seashore, he looks out there and a couple boats are there and he says, I know those guys. Hey, Andrew, Peter, James, John. They were fishermen. They made their living by catching fish. That's how they sustained their life. They were living in a box called, I'm a fisherman. I'm just a common, ordinary fisherman. I make my living this way. I've got a little box here. And Jesus comes along and said, hey, 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 you four guys, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Get out of your little box that you're in. I'm just a, I'm just a fisherman. I want to make you into something bigger. Come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And of course, Peter and Andrew and James and John responded to Jesus that day. They stepped out of their little box. They were flexible and stretchable and they became four of the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ. One day there was a young girl somewhere between the ages of 14 and 18. We don't know exactly what her age was, but the angel Gabriel came to her one day and said, Mary, God has a plan for your life. Mary was troubled by those words. and The angel said, this is what God wants to do with you, Mary. God wants you to be the bearer of the Christ child. He wants you to give birth to Messiah. And there in that moment, Mary said, how can this be? I've never known a man. You're talking about something that's impossible here. And the angel Gabriel said, well, this is how it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and the power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. You're going to give birth to this this Holy One of Israel, the Messiah of Israel. You've been chosen by God. Do you want the assignment? Are you willing to do this, Mary? Mary was living in her little box in Nazareth. She had plans for her future. Her plans were to be married to Joseph. So there she's facing a decision. What will I do? Because Mary understood something. She understood at the moment that she said yes, that it would perhaps risk her marriage to Joseph, and also it could risk her reputation. And there's this moment that Mary realizes, if I say yes to this, that people are going to talk about me, people are going to make fun of me, Joseph might reject me, and my question is, will I, will I step out of this little box And let God stretch me and trust him as he stretches me. And Mary, of course, she said, may it be to me according to your word. And she said yes. And she was expanded in her life spiritually and physically in giving birth to Messiah. Joseph, her fiancé, got the news that she was pregnant. I want you to imagine with me the moment that conversation happened. When Mary has got to communicate to Joseph that she's carrying a child, and of course she comes to Joseph, and Joseph says, what do you mean you're pregnant? We, we haven't had relations. What are you talking about here? And Mary says, well, yeah, I am pregnant, but, but there's no other man involved. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, there's no other man involved, Joseph. I've been faithful to you. You know, I'm pregnant because God did it. Like, What? These are real conversations, okay? I'm not making this up. This conversation had to happen at some point in time, right? Okay? And so he thinks that she doesn't know what she's talking about, that she's actually been unfaithful to him. And so he says, I don't want this kind of life. I don't want to marry a lady like this. I'm going to put her away. I'm going to do it as as gracefully as I can, but I'm not going to marry her because I I don't want that to be my life. And so he, he goes to sleep one night and an angel comes and visits him. And God says to him, hey, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, as your spouse, because the one that's conceived in her is conceived by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph got it. He understood 
understood it. And there in that moment, not only did Mary step out of her comfort zone, but Joseph stepped out of his comfort zone as well. And that couple ushered in the birth of Messiah. Anybody glad that Jesus came? Amen. Okay. Here's what I want you to see. That if your life is going to get bigger, if you're going to get the next level of knowledge that you need and to move into the next dimension of growth that God has for you, you've got to be hungry for it. You've got to be teachable. And when you become hungry and teachable, amazing things happen. It happens when you start listening at a level that you've never listened before. It happens when you begin to be very attentive to what you're learning and aware of how to live it out in your life. And it happens when you say to God, God, I'm willing to be flexible and stretchable. When you get those things at work in your life, it will lead to knowledge. Add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now. And it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. This is WAVA General Manager Tom Moyer inviting all ministry leaders Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.